0: BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search BT's got your back. Welcome
1: to The Times. To find out more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Welcome to the Latest Times Opinion Podcast. My name is Tim Montgomery, and it's our special time of the week when we review the last seven days of the general election campaign. And I don't know what you have done, Danny Finkelstein, to deserve this, but this is your third one in a row. So thank you very much for being here. And then making their debuts in our election podcast, we have our political correspondent, Laura Patel. and Hello. And also, birthday girl columnist Alice Thompson. Happy birthday Alice and thank you for joining us on your birthday. So we're going to start as we always do on Fridays with the question, what was your moment of the week? Laura Patel what was your moment of the week?
2: My moment of the week was that video that came out on Sunday of Ed Miliband getting mobbed by a hen party. (laughs) It was just irresistible. This election campaign has been a bit sort of dry, we've been a bit lacking in fun silly things like that and I Loved it. Especially the rather slightly po-faced spin doctor trying to negotiate the entry of one of these women onto the Ed Miliband bus. I liked it because it kind of reflected this um sense of changing impressions or views of Ed Miliband over the campaign. The Tories have been expecting everyone to be horrified by him. Now I'm not saying that, you know, we I think we have to put it in perspective. I saw a survey the other day saying that average voter gives Miliband something like four point two on the good looking spectrum out of ten. So it's not like everyone's suddenly falling in love with a Miliband but
1: Not if you look at Twitter with his head on all of body fandom. and James Bond's body, but uh, Danny Finkelstein, this whole Millie fandom thing, his ratings have improved, well, but actually, if you ask <coughs> who people prefer as Prime Minister, they haven't really been transformed. No, the, the
3: Millie fandom actually suggests something else, which I think is important and positive for Labour, which is that they're very good at social media. I thought that was a very smart operation. Mm. It obviously came from the central office. I mean, if you did if you did a Millie uh, dandum uh, of me, you'd have to uh, put my head on Dart's body in order to uh, make it work as well. Uh, <laughs> so I'm sympathetic to Ed Miliband in that respect, but I I thought it was brilliant, because, of course, if you can create a social norm and you can uh, undermine expectations, it does help make Ed Miliband not a drag on the ticket. I think it's very important they don't take it too far. They do have to realise there's a big gap between David Cameron and Ed Miliband on who should be Prime Minister. By and large, projecting Ed Miliband on the television isn't a particularly good thing for Labour, but it's obviously better that he should be, particularly with Labour voters whose turnout they're reliant on, not a drag and I thought it was a very smart operation on social media. So I just noted that because there's been some suggestion that that Labour's quite well organised on the ground in terms of you know having sophisticated campaign techniques. This was the first time that I personally witnessed something I thought that was quite sophisticated.
1: Mm. And I do, do recommend to listeners go visit torynhsplan.com com if you want another <laughs> illustration of how good Labour are at social media. Um, what was your moment of the week, Danny yourself? Um, I, hope the, gonna, I hope you're going to recommend something more substantial than Laura. She <laughs> hasn't she hasn't got herself no, to a very I mean, elevated. On yeah, well, the um, contrary,
3: I, mean, I think I, I think <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, at the end of the election, that could well be seen, uh, by the way, the moment that Laura picked as very uh, significant, but I'm, I'm going gonna to pick uh, I'm <laughs> gonna, because because it will be symbolic rather than significant in okay. itself but if I had to pick a moment, it would be something else that I think would be seen as significant potentially and that was the SNP's manifesto launch. First of all, uh, just a word for on the on the sort of uh, choreography of it, it was an extraordinary picture that you could get from far back uh, with this massive climbing wall, it was very well choreographed, it had an amazing atmosphere by all accounts and so Times report and my talk with correspondents who were there about the atmosphere suggests it was had a very, but also it's very significant. Uh, You know, if you, what's very significant about it is that the SNP is um, proposing to support a Labour government on measures that only apply to England for example lower tuition fees that is obviously a very significant mm. moment potentially very significant constitutionally if they were to be in the position of a minority possibly significant in the election campaign definitely my moment of the week
1: Okay, um, Birthday girl Alice Thompson what's your what's your choice?
4: Mine was actually the removal of Tower Hamlet's Mayor for Rahman because actually we do tend to feel at the moment that apart from wanting to take hundreds of selfies of them we don't really like our politicians and we think they're sleazy and ghastly and hideous and this was a moment when you realise that actually in Britain when things go wrong and people are corrupt, you know, there are consequences mm. and we will do something about it and rather amazingly it was four ordinary citizens who came together who said this is totally unacceptable and they've managed to get rid of him and I think that's rather amazing.
1: And quite a, a lot of good investigative reporting by the Times, his own exactly. Dominic Kennedy we should uh, say And I say think it is important well.
4: because they kept everyone who was involved kept being accused of racism and actually it was just sort of a kind of British tenacity to keep going, although the police didn't pay particularly well. You feel that actually it did show something good about Britain and campaigning, and that we're not corrupt. We don't spend vast amounts of money, and we don't try and mm. do this sort of thing normally.
1: Do you think um, lots of people are voting by their postal votes now lots of people listening may have already voted by their postal votes and of course that is another area where people worry that there is a lot of fraud in the system or potential for fraud do you do you share that concern i
4: don't know if people do worry that much i think they worry more generally that politicians are sort of sleazy and of course, lying yeah, and but don't on care the specifics
1: about things. of the on the
4: postal vote no i think actually it's a brilliant way to get out the young and i would do more of that and actually i think we should make it much easier to vote
1: okay who, who, who had a good week for you
4: I think St Andrew, actually, unlike St George, who <laughs> on his birthday yesterday...
1: Yeah, um, on Thursday, we should say. We were recording the, on Friday, but some people uh, would be listening uh, at
4: other times. Um, ...who had a pretty shoddy time. Mm. And I think, um, having just been in Scotland interviewing Nicholas Sturgeon, the Scots, having lost the independence referendum, seem to be on this extraordinary high, and they really feel they're getting somewhere, and they feel they can actually now dominate the union, which is absolutely extraordinary six months down the line because you thought there would be a moment when they crumbled or when they felt that actually they weren't being looked after and now, I mean some of it's hubris but they do definitely think that they could be holding the upper hand, that they could be in a sort of reverse takeover of Britain and it is rather extraordinary actually to see this because in some ways they're in a better position than they were before the referendum mm.
1: and I, I don't want you to break the exclusive a- aspects of your Nicola Sturgeon interview before um, it's been published in the in the times but she's an impressive woman on a on a personal level Nicola well, Sturgeon I always think you shouldn't
4: really talk about women's looks but you almost can't help it with her because she's very like Margaret Thatcher and Angela Merkel in that she's produced this persona of herself now so her hair never moves and she has these (laughs) extraordinary clothes and she's incredibly polished. It's almost as if she's hiding behind something. She's almost asexual. And she's incredibly strong because of that and she's fantastically powerful when she talks and she has spent a lot of time in the Scottish Parliament mm. and she's very very good at debating and I yeah. thought she was quite actually quite intimidating in the end I thought she was a very strong politician and would be quite difficult to cope with if you were trying to negotiate your way through mm. a minority government because she's done it for four years yeah, as deputy, and she knows exactly how to do it
1: she's been in government in a way that Ed Miller Hasn't and, been, she and she loves she,
4: minority government. I mean, she said she did that. She, she knows exactly how to play it, and yeah. no-one in England knows how to do it. We haven't done it.
1: And she's, she's classy as well. Her tweet on St George's Day, wishing all the people of England and, and her friends and neighbours a sort of a good, you know, happy, happy day. She's, oh, yes,
4: she, she p- pretends, I think, that she's actually rather fond of the English. She says she has <laughs> relatives, even in England. <laughs> <laughs> as if
1: something she, you, what, Do you think she pretends that she's fond of the English? You don't think she is fond of the English? I don't I think she's
4: fond of the English at all. I think her whole mission since she was 20... And understood as you it You could be
1: a Scottish nationalist and like the English, but it's not impossible to reconcile.
4: Yes, I think it's quite tricky on her behalf. I think that, and particularly Toff. she's not a great lover of Toffs either, I don't
1: think. No, well, that, that, that may be a common thing, not just amongst the, the Scots. Who, who had a good week for you, Laura Patel? It's
2: exactly the same. It's got to be Nicola Sturgeon. And that's not just because of the way she's been running rings around everyone in Westminster and dominating the new schedule here. So, yeah, it matters in terms of this election and how she's going to potentially put Labour in power, but also in terms of her long-term aim, which is for Scotland (coughs) to break away, to be an independent country. She's very brazen and open about that. This constant talking about the SNP and Scottish nationalism across the UK... I think it is fueling English nationalism, and we're seeing parties like UKIP very much um, playing on that, and the Conservatives as well. You know, we've, they're very, very conscious of how some voters in England are starting to feel aggrieved by this, and talking about English votes for English laws. We've got this new proposal that they've been floating about English-only income tax, yeah. and for Nicola Sturgeon, that's great. This is exactly what she wants. She wants a rise in English nationalism that ends up pushing Scotland away.
1: How, how close are you, do you think we are to English nationalism? Some someone said to me earlier in the week, which I. I really liked. If the first time someone stands on an Englishman's toe, the Englishman apologises to that person and says, I'm oh, so, so sorry. And the second time, they look at them slightly quizzically. The third time someone stands on an English toe, they give them a punch. And um, I just wonder, how far are we along that journey of standing on the English toe before England reacts, do you think? I think
2: mean, we're somewhere in the middle, aren't we? Because there was a time a few years ago where it would be quite kind of gauche to talk about all of this and for English mm. nationalism to be a subject of political debate or discussion I think we're kind of moving along that track I don't know I mean anybody who wants the UK would, to stay together would hope that it would be a way of de-escalating that situation but particularly if there's an, a Labour SNP government I don't really see how that's going to happen because it'd be an easy line of attack for opposition parties, Conservatives, you give anyone else who wants to have a go really. Mm.
1: Danny Finkelstein I think you've got a good week and a bad week, two for one offer Exactly,
3: I want to say that I think it's been a good week and a bad week for the same group of people and that's the Conservative Party. This week they have succeeded in landing, or whether they've succeeded in doing it, it just simply has landed, uh, a big issue, uh, which is the question of uh, the SNP's leverage in a parliament, um, whether that would move the Labour Party to the left, and also the constitutional aspects of that. The reason why it might be a bad week is it might not work, and if it doesn't, the Conservative Party isn't going to win the general election, because at the moment the economic message hasn't worked. Mm. It could also be an error. Uh, So there's a perfectly legitimate argument that says you stick to the economic argument Solely and don't muddy a, it. An
1: argument that Phil Collins has been making um, for Times Red Box. And I should, I'm yes. um, interrupting this with an infomercial, but um, all Times subscribers, if you want to read this and some other background reading to the issues that we've been discussing today, please go to the Times.co.uk/slash comment central. But break over Danny Finkelstein yes, I, in the spotlight again. I support
3: the strategic idea to establish this. I think it's a real issue. I think people are likely to care about it if you can unite it with the economic message and it doesn't become purely constitutional. I think it has real strength, but I acknowledge you know that is a that is a punt, and it might not work. And therefore, you might therefore the Conservative Party might have had a bad week by moving on to something that doesn't work. Personally, I sort of bristle at the idea that the break in the union is somehow uh, the result of the Conservative Party's manoeuvre. Basically, the Labour Party in the 1980s made a decision to move towards the claim of right and to argue that uh, the Conservative Party's government in England wasn't legitimate in Scotland. Mm. That was an argument that George Falks first made. The Labour Party gradually was brought behind it. They made that argument and it's not for them now to argue as being we, two weeks to a general election but somehow this argument was shaped by the Conservative Party. Uh, the Conservative Party is reacting to something that is a legitimate issue but strategic and totally legitimate to talk about and I don't think it's responsible for the break of the Union. I think the SNP and Labour Party have equal blame. The question is will it work? If it doesn't work, this has been a bad week. If it does work, it's obviously been a very good week. Alice Thompson?
4: I think that the reason being partly Scottish that I feel very ambivalent about what the Tories are doing is because I feel they've handled the referendum so badly so after the referendum they did behave very badly and having gone up to Scotland and said we love you, we think you're fantastic you know we want you to lead we want you to be together in this, it was very very strong language and then straight afterwards they didn't really continue with that language, it was almost like oh well we duped you, we told you this but actually you know in the long run we don't really care that much I, and
1: I, I, think I, I really disagree with that Alice I'm uh, you're well, being, from, being but a naughty you're interfering, not to, maybe, maybe I'm not but, but that's the view in
4: Scotland very strongly and I think that's a very difficult one that they, they need to counteract at some stage and with quite a lot of people that, like that, Hugo or I who that, feel that we have been let down because we feel uh, that there was a very positive language and that became quite a negative language There were a, and a, good, still n- quite there were a good
1: number of people who predicted even before the referendum that this SNP surge would happen for all sorts of fundamental structural I'm not saying the, the, the reasons. I just don't and like the I, language I, I, they're using. I think you just can't blame the Tories for, for what's happening here. And Someone does have to stand up for the English and David Cameron needed to stand up for the English that morning morning after the referendum result but we could have a whole podcast about this so we must return to the uh, subject um alice sticking with you who, who had a bad week from well, your well i think
4: jean-claude juncker did just because i think it's extraordinary that you can carry on you know leading the european union on a part-time basis when you're taking painkillers and you can't work most of the time and You know, that's extraordinary. At least all our leaders are healthy and they're all campaigning. And you look at David Cameron and, you know, when he says his staff, he has to have millions of selfies a day. He is getting out there and they are engaging. And the same with Miliband that we've realised that when he engages, he's not as weird as we thought he was, actually. Mm. I mean, the reason that we're all now seeing Miliband in different lives because we thought he was so weird and so bizarre and so extraordinary actually he's not he's you know he's vaguely normal he's not (laughs) totally normal but so there is a sense I think that actually I feel with our politicians that actually they're not say hello to a new era of mental health care Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral way So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details.
2: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN.
0: This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk.
4: As as we all think they are. They're leaders of all the parties. I mean, apart from Nigel Farage, who I really... <clears throat> can't abide there are good points to all of them
1: and what do you think about this whole sort of meme that's taking off that david cameron isn't putting enough energy into his own campaign he was very strong in an interview with fraser nelson mm. in the spectator saying if only you knew how many constituency visits i was doing i think he did 25 well, he's last a week classic or...
4: old attorney's a problem isn't it he? that he's pretended not to work when he is working very hard <laughs> and i think that's the problem in a way for him is that he's been too good at looking relaxed when he does do a lot of preparation and he is up very early and he is working extremely hard but he doesn't want to moan about it either so it's very difficult balance I think for him to have is to say you know on the one hand I'd either be moaning the whole time saying god I'm absolutely shattered and exhausted mm. and this is terrible and my life's ruined by being prime minister and sounding sort of very me 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 and very you should pity me and on the other hand sounding arrogant because he's saying oh I can cope with this I can do it mm. Danny, Danny, Danny
1: Finkelstein people like
3: David Cameron and one of the reasons they like him is precisely because he's a kind of moderate and stable political figure and that's just part of his personality And the idea that uh, the Conservative Party will win or lose the election because of the appearance of energy, which mostly is narrative anyway, in other words, the superimposition of narrative onto nothing, uh, onto random fluctuation, which is a uh, very typical, unfortunately, journalistic or commentator's uh, quirk it's just it's just n- n- a nonsense it's an attempt to make something out of nothing do i think that the conservative party will uh, will do more if he sort of makes an even more upbeat type of speech n- no it wouldn't I think, make any difference at all and that's sort of obvious when you outline what he should be doing you know
1: you don't, you don't think how he began this campaign but by talking about his retirement plans set this
3: off no i don't think i think i think if the Conservative Party doesn't win the election, which is obviously very possible, uh, the, um, the reasons will be more fundamental. They'll be to do with a split in politics with the UK. They'll be to do with the way the Liberal Democrats fell apart. And they'll be to do with the way the, way the people feel about the economy and themselves. It will not be to do with yeah, right. his energy or lack of energy. Absolutely, it's,
1: it, it always is those structural things in politics that matter most. But we tend to talk about other things perhaps a little bit too much. But anyway... Uh, Laura Patel, who had a bad week from your perspective? Controversially,
2: I'm going to say Boris. Ooh! Because uh, I know he's meant to be the sort of court jester who cheers us all up and comes in and makes everything more fun and lively. I spent two days with him this week. Um, The first was in South Thanet, where he went to try and kind of rally the Tory campaign to stop Nigel Farage winning a seat in Parliament. And I was quite struck by how he just didn't go down as well as he usually does on these things. I've gone on a lot of these events with him where he does walk about in town centres and everyone shouts and sometimes schoolgirls sing and all sorts of things happen.
1: (laughs) What do they sing?
2: we love you Boris or you know honestly I've really seen it with, with my own eyes um, and in, I think South London is a different place it's on the end of the train line where, where it's actually in Ramsgate by the sea um, and I detected quite a lot of cynicism towards politicians people sort of shouting negative things at him I mean of course there were some people who, who came up to him and were happy to see him mm. but it was just interesting how to me how Boris obviously isn't he doesn't work everywhere, necessarily. He's um, not and a
1: fully Heineken candidate. Not now.
2: necessarily. On, and perhaps he was having a bad day. And the second piece of evidence I would cite is that uh, we know that Boris obviously has his eyes on the leadership should David Cameron fail to win a second term in office. And for that reason, he's been trying to keep his powder dry. And so it was a bit of a blunder when he went on Sky News and let the irrepressible Kay Burley persuade him to talk about his leadership ambitions. I think that will be seen as a gaffe. Do you agree with that? Danny, I,
3: I, I sort of think it doesn't really matter terribly much because everyone knows what he was doing. But it certainly was. It certainly wasn't very disciplined. But then mm. he isn't. So but um, he's
2: been trying to be, and so that was why it was. Yes, I, a think, bit that's, I think I think. Yeah. I think
3: that's that's perfectly good. I don't think he'll be hugely damaged by uh, those things. I also thought people overestimated the positive impact he was likely to make. He's not the leader and, you know, but he going on the campaign trail. I thought the pictures that he had with David Cameron and the blue things, those were good because they, you know, they dominated the agenda yeah. in so far as those marginal things make campaign atmosphere. And I can hardly argue one moment um, that uh, it doesn't matter if David Cameron's upbeat and the next moment. <laughs> it was crucial he had a really nice <laughs> photograph. Uh, I don't think either of them are
1: that. Uh, nice. we, we had a leader in Thursday's paper, Alice Thompson, saying free Boris, get him out on the campaign trail more. And of course, you did have that thing in 2005 where Tony Blair and Gordon Brown were always together, and the the argument we had that famous ice cream Licking photo ice creams, opportunity. Yes. And you know, the argument, the sort of subtext was vote Blair, get Brown. And should the Tories be doing a little bit of vote Cameron and get Boris too, or is that just too it's not dangerous? Just that, it's
4: more showing that you're a united party. I think so. Mm. It's very important that. Each of the parties look united and don't look as if they're all fragmented and they're fighting, and there's a lot of infighting. And so that's really why you want Boris in the same picture as yeah. Dave. But actually, what he is very good at is going around the country to all these different constituencies. And and I think you're right, Lord, that it's not always as universal, acclaimed as, as you think he is. But it is quite extraordinary watching the effect. Mm. when he is going around and just how obsessed people are by him. And he's got that selfie stick just absolutely brilliantly. He's constantly <laughs> taking selfies with people yes, and that's yes. what they want and he loves that and he embraces it. And I really noticed that with Nicola Surgeon, that there are certain type of politicians who absolutely adore selfies mm. and see it as the way to get to people. And then there are other ones who really, really find it difficult and can't bear it. And I like the Queen who says very much that she thinks it's the worst thing I, it was, yeah. was
1: it Cameron, though, who was just saying, in a way, though, he's slightly frustrated by the selfie thing. Because in in he cause, doesn't like no, it. No long, he no mm. longer is talking to no. voters because all they want, they don't want well, to he, say anything. they does They'll...
3: say it's something that you can do for voters. In other words, politicians cannot treat voters, mm. as we discovered with Sausage roll gate uh, earlier in the campaign when the UK candidate um, was uh, questioned by the police for providing voters with some Sausage Rolls. Um, <laughs> you can't do that, but you can provide selfies. Yeah. Um, and... Um, uh, people do want them. I think for all celebrities, um, that the selfie thing is a huge pain. Uh, it's worse than autographs.
1: Glad you mentioned um, Boris, Laura, and I think one of the interesting conclusions of the campaign might be, I think just as the Tories are going to do incredibly well in the West Country, they might do quite badly in London and that might be another bad thing for 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 Boris to have to to answer for to some extent, but sticking with you, Laura, what 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 new thing did you learn? Mine slightly seven days? On from
2: what we were talking about before, and um, it comes from that Spectator interview with the Prime Minister that you were talking about, when David Cameron admitted that the Tory campaign could be seen as boring, which I think is an extraordinary thing <laughs> for the leader of the Conservative Party to admit, and he admitted it in the context of talking about. He said that the Labour. Versus Tory campaign could be seen as sort of dream versus plan, with the Tories being the plan. He said, Well, sometimes following a plan is a bit boring. Then he went on to refer to what the Tories were offering as being a bit like a car mechanic lifting the lid of a car and tinkering with the bonnet and said, But we have to show where the car is going to go. And I think that that's just such an extraordinary thing for him to admit. I mean, fine, make the argument that you're You've got a plan and that's mm. much better than some sort of ideological dream that Labour are coming up with and they're not focused on where the money's going to come from, all the things you'd expect the Tories to say. But for me, that tapped into this sense that of frustration that we know exists apparently right the way up to uh, the top, that Linton Crosby's campaign is not allowing very much freedom for fun or expression.
1: Lyndon Linton, L- Linton Crosby would have hated him talking in those terms as well because he hates the idea of David Cameron acting as a commentator. And that is what David Cameron was doing in that um, interview with Fraser Nelson. What did you learn this week, Alice?
4: Rachel Sylvester and I, lost at the end of last week, actually, for this week, interviewed uh, Paul, Paul Johnson, Johnson yeah. who is the head of the IFS, who's actually come out with his figures as well. And what I was struck by most wasn't actually him breaking down all the details. And I don't think he is the ultimate guru I think they, there is room to negotiate on some of the figures that he comes out with but what was really interesting is him saying just how badly the young are doing now and that's why he thinks they're not voting mm. because he said in the last 10 years they have been completely screwed and in some ways it's great that the elderly have done so well
1: the subject of your column in, the, yes, in Wednesday's they, they Times. have done
4: extraordinarily badly and he said that's what he would be looking at in the next parliament he said whoever gets in is going to have to address this terrible sort of disjunct between the elderly and the young and what they're gonna do about that.
1: What what, what Laura and the IFS figures we had them saying that Labour would add ninety billion potentially to debt, the Tories would produce 18% cuts in the budgets of unprotected departments.
2: But the, un- but the most extraordinary one for me was them saying that actually the SNP could end up um, spending less than Labour um, which sort of slightly undermines all of Nicola Sturgeon's mm. kind of goading of She me- was of quickly uh,
1: she was quickly onto the media though to rebut that wasn't she? She was,
2: she mm. was but you know thank God for the IFS kind of sorting through some of this wheat from chaff from us although I know that you are not such a fan of them
1: Well I think, I think the IFS are a great institution but we just need to know what their role is. They're bean counters, they're accountants they're a politically impartial assessment of the of the public finances but actually the real questions that I would like at the, the heart of the economic debate is not the rounding errors that I think the IFS largely focus on but if we cut taxes in a radical way will we be richer in five years time if we spend less on um, welfare and put more money into spending on roads and where is is that what we should be doing and I think sometimes we get lost a little bit in the detail of the IFS forecast. But, Danny, your, 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 what did you learn? Well,
3: it's maybe a little bit cheeky to say I learned I this this week, but it certainly came home to me even more strongly this week, and that is just how uh, unstable the numbers are. Um, when you begin to look at the forecasts, and one of the features of this election campaign has been the forecasters taking over from the opinion pollsters because of all the Ashcroft polling allowing a bit more work on who's going to win co- which constituency. It's very difficult on any of them to see, for anybody... A very stable strong government so I, I worked for John Major and he had a majority when he started of 22 and even the majority were of 22 or was it 21 when he, by the time that he finished ended up being a minority and became almost impossible uh, to organize and I experienced myself how difficult it was on a day-by-day basis how we would have meetings with John in the cabinet room and somebody would bring in a piece of paper which would tell him how James Molyneux of the OUP was going to vote on a vote that evening and he had to take into consideration that as he governed. If you look at the figures in almost all configurations for almost all parties the maths will be extremely complicated because even when they get a governing group together the governing group won't have a very big majority, even with the SNP supporting Labour for example even on a vote by vote basis they won't have a very large majority. So uh, if they had a majority at all, and even that might involve the Liberal Democrats in a in a, in a very difficult arrangement. And even that might only have 20 seat uh, majority, which is less than John Major.
1: Okay, well, we're nearly out of time. So very brief answers, please, to the final question. What should Times readers expect next week? Who'd like to go first?
2: I'll go first, because I'm going to go quite factually, which is that we know that um, the Tories are going to make the economy the centre of their campaign next week, and Labour are going to do cost of living. So massive new subject, we're going to hear from both of them there. It feels like we're going to be going over exactly the same ground. It'll be very interesting to see if they can shift anyone.
1: Perhaps boring, as the Prime Minister
3: would to say. say that. We'll get part of the answer to the only serious play of the election campaign. Does the SNP leverage argument... Coupled with the economic message, begin to work for the Conservatives. We'll have more of an indication by the time we meet next week of whether that's true. We will not know the whole answer because you'd expect that to work mainly in the very last few days, but we'll get begin to get something of an answer on that.
1: Alice, final word to you.
4: Recrimination. If, as Danny says, we don't find out what the polls are doing, if they don't move, if they don't budge, if nothing happens, I think the Tories will start panicking and looking at what they've done wrong and whether there's anything else they can introduce.
1: And Labour won't go away. Panicking because essentially an opinion poll deadlock is good for them. Yeah. That and I think they're rather
4: it. surprised they are where they are. I mean, to be totally honest, I don't yeah. think. I think most of even the Labour Party were pretty surprised by the whole Millie Mania. Basically,
3: I mean, I, the, only thing, the only narrative thing that I really don't agree with in the election is the idea there's been Millie Mania. What there has been is what statisticians call regression to the mean. His his opinion ratings. We should have spotted that to be fair, mm. his opinion ratings were miles out of whack with where they really logically could have been, and what 's happened is they 've come back broadly in line with a with a politician mm. trailing on and, and that so that you can 't call that anything more than important significant because you know obviously a massively out there position would have been very impactful but 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 not enthusiasm, and I think they would be making a mistake to assume that there is enthusiasm and therefore promote Ed Miliband's seriously in the last
1: week. Okay. well, we have to end it there. I know none of you mentioned John Major as a significant intervention this week, but uh, I will pass on that and ask you to join me again on Tuesday um, when I will be joined by Hugo Rifkind jenny russell and matthew paris for the first of our weekly podcasts thank you danny thank you laura thank you alice very much thank you to dave mcguire my producer and do go to thetimes.co.uk slash comment central for more background reading on what we've been discussing have a great weekend goodbye thank you for downloading to discover more head to
3: thetimes.co.uk